Today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Devin on deck, literally on deck. How's it going, Devin? It's going well, man. I'm glad to be here. Well, I got to meet you when we were out in L.A. in October and get to know you a little bit, but I'm fascinated to hear your story because I know you, uh, you're you really into shoes and designing shoes and fashion, and I, w- I always like to start back at the beginning, though. So, like, from San Francisco, right? Uh, Oakland originally, but yeah, that area. Okay. 20 minutes from SF, so close. Yeah, and so what? I mean, what what inspired you to eventually come into fashion? Um, I was always an individualist, man. I've always customized everything from grade school. I remember my earliest remember. I'm sorry, my earliest memory of that. I was probably, man. I had to say maybe kindergarten. Like I remember seeing a picture of like my kindergarten, and I had a backpack that was just like full of like stickers and pins, and like, and my mom's like, yeah, you always wanted to customize. Even like I remember high school, my binders, I you know draw my own pictures and slide them in the, you know, the clear thing. Like I always wanted to make sure everything had my name on it or my own signature thing. And that grew into high school customizing shoes. So I was like painting shoes at first. Then I started deconstructing shoes and started putting them back together. And by the time I graduated, I had like a few different local boutiques that carried my shoes. So that was really cool. Um, But it was just too much labor. I was just like the hours I'm putting into this, it's, it's not worth it. I don't know a whole bunch of celebrities. Nobody can afford what these shoes now cost because now I've added like snakeskin to them, you know, a bunch of other stuff. So I was like, okay, the smarter move would be to be a designer and then people will just make them for me. And that's what I studied in a uh, university. And that was that. That's so, kind of how the fashion journey started. So where'd you go to school for that? Academy of Art University, NSF. Okay. San Francisco. All right. And so then that was, you mean you, you learned a lot through that experience? I did. I mean, I ended up dropping out like, a year before I was supposed to graduate because um, I only had art, like history classes and stuff that I didn't need as far as like skills. And I was desperately begging for the question, like, how do I sell stuff? You know, like, what, like, how do I even find funding if I want to make my own stuff? Like, this school taught me the skills I needed to be someone else's employee. They taught me everything I needed to do to work at a fashion house or work at a brand, but nothing for independence. I didn't understand the business. I didn't understand how anything worked. And I was um, hungry for it. They weren't giving it to me. And up to that point, they were very flexible with me as far as what I wanted to design because usually shoe design, especially in America, usually that's like the industrial design students. So people who design cars are the same people that design products, the same folks that design shoes. That's why shoes look a lot like cars. They have the same, basically, dimensions if you think about it, right? You, lateral, bottom, top, that's basically... I mean, you get into your shoe like you get into a car kind of think about it like a, as like a drop top right like imagine a car has no doors and you have no top you can just get into it the same way you get into a shoe um but because a lot of these people start in the automotive space shoes those shoes tend to be more focused on function rather than style and i was like i don't care about if they make you run faster or walk on water i care about if they are dope looking and they're comfortable so um at that time my school was like very I was really close with, like, the head of the department. He was really uh, gracious enough to waive a lot of classes for me because I would kind of bounce back and forth from industrial design classes to learn some stuff that I needed, that I would jump over to the fashion side and learn that stuff. So uh, he he liked, he helped me kind of navigate it, but then when it came to, okay, how do I market myself? How do I, you know, get this shit sold? Goose egg, nothing. So that was very uh, frustrating for me, so I left. And what year was that that you dropped out? Uh, shit, I started 20... 
05, shit. And then I did, I left at 2010. So it was a long year, five-year journey, because I'm also working at the same time. So I only can take two or three classes a semester because I, I had a full-time job. So that was a, a learning experience for sure. And it's also the time you're probably seeing the trend move to more people being able to sell stuff online. It's like, obviously, you could sell things online in the early 2000s, but this is the, the time where it's like brands are being built as web companies. And so I'm sure that didn't help with uh, your itch At to all. get out. Yeah, because it's like, I don't know, like, I, I see the I see the things happening and changing in the real world, but my school still being super stagnant at what they want to offer me. And these are all loans for me. My parents didn't pay for shit. So I'm like, this is going to just, I'm going to owe more money later. And I literally have art history and like bullshit classes. So I'm, I'm out of here. I don't need it. Cause, and I also learned also a second thing that really pushed me out, or I guess the third thing at this point, is that all the all the upperclassmen, all my friends that like graduated before me were like working at like Starbucks and shit because their portfolios were decent. They were okay. Because they were rushing to get that degree. But the degree, when it comes to a creative vocation, it doesn't matter about your degree. It matters about your skill set, your portfolio, your proof of concept. So once I learned that, I was like, okay, the jig is up. I'm out of here. Yeah. So I jumped out of here. So I, I worked retail. I became a store manager at J. Crew. I was a store manager at Vans. And all the while, I was moonlighting as a... It was before the word... Like, digital marketing wasn't a buzzword. I didn't even call it that. I was just trying to figure shit out. And I was basically emailing and DMing brands that I found on Instagram and like, like, Hey, can I just like, you know, help you create content or write copy or like everybody was trying to figure out that moment. So you're looking at 2011 through 2014 where I'm building this portfolio and this body of work that I had no idea how I was going to use it. I'm like, okay, where am I going to put this? How does it work? I have no idea. Um, but I'm saving it. All I knew how to, I knew how to archive work. I just didn't know what I was going to use it for. And then my buddy who, um, really close to me, he went to my church at the time. He got recruited from Twitter in San Francisco to Snapchat out here in LA. And maybe six months later, he's like, Hey, we're starting a content team. They want storytellers. That portfolio you've been using. Hmm. Here you go. Here's a chance to uh, swing in my way. So I tried it out, man. I was like, all right. No, actually, you know what? At first I said no. At first I was like, why would I fit there? It's a tech job. I'm a fashion guy. It doesn't make sense for me. And my wife, like, you know, verbally slapped me upside the head. Like, dude, like, you don't know what that can do for you. You don't know where that can lead. And it literally changed my life. Like a month later, after jumping through a thousand hoops and flying out and phone calls and a whole bunch of other shit, um, I landed a job, and I was at Snapchat when it was hot and fresh and new, and no one knew who it was um, and what they were about. And I ended up running fashion content there as well as, like, local L.A. stuff, and that completely changed my entire trajectory. So so that whole time you're, you're building, though, are you, are you, like, blogging? Also, you're doing photography? Like, that was – you were just putting it all – you're just putting it all in your pocket for, for, for the future. Yeah, I mean, I had like my own Instagram, but I wasn't focused on it like that. Like I might, I've, I was experimenting and having fun, and I think I was doing like floating photos and stuff. But like, I wasn't trying to. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a goal in mind besides just experimenting and having fun. But I was doing a lot of work on the back end with brands that I was just in the pocket, or they would post it or whatever, and I was just saving it. But it was always an experiment for me. It's always like a way to figure it out. I guess as I as I got more tools. On my tool belt, I became more interested in marketing over fashion, so to speak. I mean, obviously, I still have a love for fashion. Obviously, I still have an um, an eye for it, but it didn't become my end-all, be-all passion um, because that itch for 
how do you sell things? It was such a deep rabbit hole to go down and such so many things to learn from both sides. Because now, like, okay, so I'm at Snapchat, right? I'm getting everything from the tech side. I'm getting all the analytics. I'm learning how to measure the success of content, how to freaking... It, you know, monetize and drive revenue with creative content on your phone. And on the other side, I'm like becoming really good friends with all the influencers here in LA. They're teaching me tons of stuff. I'm experimenting. I'm I'm a fucking uh, what is that called? Meeting growth hackers and all types of other stuff like that. So it's ridiculous. I'm like I didn't even know this world existed on either side, and it was just so new to me. And fashion just like after a while just became such a thing that was a vehicle that kind of got me here. But um, it was so much more to everything. So that's kind of how I became this kind of well-rounded guy that does kind of the tech and fashion stuff because it's it's a part of who I am now. And I kind of like I feel like it's it's hand in hand. Like we wouldn't be here right now if not for tech, right? If we're not for social media, if not for the tools that we have at our disposal that connect us all. So uh, yeah. Well, it sounds we like the through line through all of that though is you're just chasing what you were really excited about. It's like Correct. you kind of left the art thing because of history, but you were excited about storytelling and learning. So the whole time you're excited and you're trying to learn and develop yourself. Correct. And just solve a problem, dude. And the problem was it started off, how do I how do I sell the thing I want to make? And then it ended up being this like entire world of bigger than selling. It's like, okay, it's about storytelling. It's about connecting. It's about um, communicating value at scale and how do you do that how do you measure that and i just became obsessed with that and then fashion became a secondary thing for me so through that time how is your personal style developing as you're you know you're into tech and you're working with fashion you probably work with big fashion brands as far as snapchat goes yeah um well i'll step back a little bit with personal style so remember i said i went from managing at j crew to managing at van so i've always been both guys i've always been the guy who's into smart stuff, but I always have a strong sneaker collection. So that was always something I've always prided myself on being able to exist on both sides. Um, it got inspired from a, a, a lady that, or a young lady that I was in class with. She was in my construction class, and that's just where you learn how to make garments. And uh, this is in college at this point. And I noticed every time she came to class, I would have to almost like give her a double take because she would look totally different. It'd be a grunge look. And then she'd look super girly and dainty. And then she'll have like a menswear inspired look on. And she's look fantastic every day. And I'm like, like, what's going on? She's like, yeah, I don't, I don't fit in the box. I'm, I'm fluid with my style. So I like, I made it a point because before it was kind of like, these are my interests. But like when I was at J Crew, I would go hardcore dressing like J Crew advanced. I threw away all those clothes and just stuck to like my casual stuff. And then after meeting her, I was like, no, no, I should keep it all. I should figure out how it all works together. So by the time I started working at uh, at Snap, again, in the tech world, I'm not sure if you've been in these ver- these tech offices. We're talking about sandals and shorts, even in the winter. Cargo shorts. Yeah. Cargo shorts, yes. I yes, know. Yes. Um, people may have not showered in a week. Um, <laughs> it's just It just is what it is. So for me, I was a sore thumb when I dressed up too much at work. But depending on what event I was going to or who I was meeting with, I would obviously pull it together. So that's when I really started developing my style for, like, the smart casual piece. But definitely more hardcore on the casual side because I I hadn't uh, I hadn't really focused on that. Because, again, at that time, I might have had – when I started at Snapchat, I might have had 20,000 followers on Instagram. I wasn't an influence. I wasn't getting paid for anything. Nothing was being monetized whatsoever. I, I was getting free stuff here and there, but – for the most part, it was the same relationships that I leveraged from 
my old stuff I was doing before Snapchat. So, yeah, so my personal style developed, but it, I feel like it's much stronger today than it was when I was at Snapchat because I was able to finally get free and focus on myself. Do you think that your, like, style sense or your, um, even even if it was kind of small, your following at that time helped you get that job? Because that had to be a pretty competitive job, right? And, and you were, you know, probably not the most traditional candidate. True. I was very untraditional. I think one of the questions they asked me when I was interviewing, they were like, so what do you bring to the team? And I was like, well, diversity. Like, not only will I be one of 10 black people at this company, um, also, I, I'm the only person at this company that has a fashion background. Like, I know that you guys are um, all about storytelling, and Snapchat is something that basically documents, and it's an immersive experience of what somebody experiences in the real time. But if they don't, if you have no context to that, or have no in to all the cultures you know you want access to, then it won't feel genuine. So if you want somebody in the fashion space, which is you know one of the pillars of culture, period, right? How people dress is a what they define culture, then uh, you know I'd be great to to add to that. And he was like, "You make a great point." And that's I think that might have been one of the things that really nailed it nailed it for me. How how long were you there? A year and a half. So basically, up until Instagram took me there. Okay. <laughs> and, and then it's disguise, man, because they were gonna close my department, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna close the department." So either you can like find somewhere else to go. Like I know you like probably want to go with the marketing team, Devin. Or you can take three months of severance and benefits and leave in a lump sum. Yeah. So you're like, that's, that's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. And, and what did you do like right when you left? Did you have a plan or, or were you like, this is my opportunity to kind of go, go all in on myself? I had a rough plan, but I, I had to scramble. So um, I have some really dope close friends that, I met over the years, and it's, it's fun working at places like a J. Crew. Um, you cross paths with so many people that are outside of, I guess, your scope of like what your usual lifestyle would grant you. So I'm talking like CEOs, dope business people, people just from all walks of life. People were like, I was. It was a point where I was getting so close with people they were inviting me to their weddings and shit because I was like, there, like you know, being their personal stylist or whatever. Um, and for me, I go all in no matter what I'm doing. So I'm, I was very much like any glimmer you see of personability, you guys met me, like, you know how I am. But like, so imagine that was like charm on 10, always fucking smiling because I'm at work, like dressed to the nines in full. Like I'm talking about style you've never seen from me ever. Like those pictures are long gone, so I couldn't even find them if I wanted to. But oh, actually, no, if you go to my lookbook video, my video on uh I think I was, what did I say, judging my own style or roasting myself? I forgot. But looking at my style over the years, I have a lookbook. Like, I have an archive still in my lookbook that in you. Remember that from back in the day? The lookbook website? Um, I have a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have a couple yeah. dapper looks on there, too. But they, they weren't any good. I look back, it looks terrible to me. Um, <laughs> that, that was during my time I was working at J. Crew. But anyway, during that time, um, I met a lot of great folks. Like, Because I worked on a street that was a mall, but also had, like, condos above it. So everybody that lived around there would come shop there. And these guys are all people that own million-dollar houses. But some folks were, like, young, like, late 20s, early 30s. So those folks that were closer to my age but also kind of had their shit more together than I did, um, we had bonds and I learned a lot from them. And those are the same people that when I left Snapchat, I was like, hey, look, I got this great lump sum of money. I got this opportunity of three months to figure some shit out before it all runs out. 
here's what I'm thinking, and they kind of help me sharpen my ideas and craft my ideas around it. But those same relationships um, play played a major role in um, what I need to do in the future. And like for me, I'm very uh, I don't want to say selective. I'm just wise about my friend choices. I think I've always kind of had that, even from growing up. Um, I feel like iron should always sharpen iron. If you know, it's, it's a reciprocal uh, situation. You should keep that bond forever. So I still have homies that, even those same guys that I might not, you know, talk to for three, six months, but as soon as I see him again, we pick right back up where we left off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was like super helpful for me. So my guys that were kind of, you know, started their own businesses, you know, successfully and. I wanted to get back into doing consulting and marketing and all that, but like somehow figure out how to do it on my own and independently. It took me probably a year, honestly, to really figure it all out though and get consistent income coming in. But uh, yeah. But dur- so during that time, you weren't like Devin on deck wasn't really a thing yet. You weren't like really focused on that. You were mostly doing client work, like an agency model almost. Well, when I first stepped out, the goal was to do the agency model. But nobody would listen to me because I had I didn't have any um, legacy company behind me. I had nothing that proved anything outside of what I did at Snapchat. And everybody that knew me at that point, especially in LA, knew me as the Snapchat guy, right? Because if they call me to, hey, Debbie, we want you to come to this event. We're having a fashion show. We're having this party. We're releasing this new thing. I can get them millions of views like that because I have the authority to do it. So it was it was somewhat transactional, even though if they liked me. I probably kept, honestly, maybe 40% of those relationships, unfortunately. I mean, it's LA, so it is what it is. Um, (laughs) But I say all that to say that when it was time to step out and do my own thing, it wasn't an approval concept as a consultant, anybody that can give anybody any... Sorry, I'm fucking playing with shit right now. Um, (laughs) Anything that can give anybody any trust in me outside of Things they knew me for so i was in this like little box of the snapchat tech dude <sighs> so i was like okay i gotta prove this concept somehow how about i just experiment everything that i think is going to happen and what's coming on myself so within nine months i grew my twenty-five thousand followers that i had when i left instagram i'm sorry left snapchat on instagram from twenty-five thousand to a hundred thousand in less than a year um, and I was able to see a gap in the market. Nobody was doing video in the fashion space and I had crazy videos and I started learning better skills and I had people that helped me out early on to help me do shit that I know I had the vision for. Um, and if you know me, you know, I love anime and like comic books and shit. So I just like mixed that with fashion. And then I also got a lot of these theme pages, like the bigger pages to like repost me. Sometimes I'll have to pay them. And then after a while, if a video goes viral and people like it, they'll just start reposting it on their own anyway. And that's kind of what led me to, I mean, I just, it was, it's simple. It's really simple. It's like, if you know you have something that no one else has, how do you now get attention on that thing? And that's kind of how I figured that out. And then I said, okay, I had a friend that was a musician. I tested it out on him, but I have a friend that had a small business. I tested it out on them. So basically the same thing I did to get into Snapchat, I did the same thing to get to the next level. So I took about nine months to experiment on myself and other people at the same time to have a new portfolio. So now that I can say, hey, now I, I don't just understand how to do it for me. I understand the mechanics behind it and I can then apply it to you. And that's how I started freelancing again. Was it, was there ever like a shift or like, like a turning point where you're like, I can actually start focusing more just on Devon on deck as a business versus just a, like a portfolio piece or almost like a really good business card? Um, 
I mean, it was that was some of it. I mean, I I think during that same time, I probably when I was about at maybe eighty thousand, someone that I met while being at Snapchat was a manager. You guys know who Claire Marshall is? Hey, Claire. She's the huge YouTuber. Um, but much more than that, she's 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 amazing. Um, but she's somebody that I saw that had great potential that I wanted to work with that was in LA. And I emailed her, her manager got back to me. We hopped on the phone. She's in the Bay Area too. We had a good talk. I said, hey, if you see any opportunities for us to do anything together, let me know. Forgot all about it. But little did I know that she kept her eye on me. She kept watching my stuff and she basically offered me a management deal like 80K. She's like, look, I know you're young. We never had anybody come from Instagram only. You have a small, smaller following, but I think you got something special with your vision and your ideas. I like, you know, last time we spoke, you had some, you know, great things going. What are your goals right now? I said, well, I just left Snapchat. So I'm, you know, I'm free. Like I would love to make this into a business. And that's kind of when we started. So that's when I first started kind of trying to get brand deals going. Yeah. And that was like 2016, probably early 2017. I signed with them in like 2017, April or something like that. All right. And are you still with them? No. Okay. And when, when did you add YouTube into the mix? I added YouTube into the mix after lots of encouragement from my wife. I, I feel like my wife, let me just spend this time right now <laughs> to give her her credit where it's due because- Why is she very important, such, yes. Yes, she, she's, she is the reason why I'm here because she just has crazy foresight. Like, I feel like as men, like when we have a goal, we look straight. She has crazy peripheral vision, right? I don't look around. I'm looking at where I'm going and I'm only focused on that. Where she's like, well, you know, look around you too. You know, just think different. Take your time, breathe, you know, chill out and look at it this way. And that like adds so much to my perspective and it's been invaluable for me. So for me, I feel like she's really good at trend forecasting and just seeing the gaps and kind of seeing where I can do better. And she's like, I'm like, man, like I'm, I'm getting really bored with Instagram. I'm becoming this guy that's just like purely entertaining people with my videos and that's fun. But I keep finding the fact that I have to keep copying and pasting the same answers in my DMs because everybody's like, how are you doing these edits? I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let me just make a YouTube channel where I'm teaching people how to do it. And um, that's where like I re realized that like I have so much more value to add. And I started just kind of doubling down on the value add, man. Like it, it became so much more fulfilling for me. And the turning point for me to really believe in YouTube, because I grew slow as fuck my first year. I got to 5K in my first year. And that was super disheartening to me I almost quit but one thing that helped was I got an email from this kid and at this point I told I told this entire story I'm saying on this if you go far back enough in my videos you've heard this story already um this kid's like hey like I really wanted to study art my dad wanted to be wanted to go really traditional let me go corporate or business or be a doctor or lawyer or some shit but I, I love being creative and he was like well you, you know you're going to be a starving artist if you're an artist then I showed him your story and how you led. Da, 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 da. He's like, oh, okay, there's a business here. So because of you, my dad is now letting me pursue my passion. So I was like, ah, got it. So this is bigger than just social media and like clicks and whatever. This is something that can actually add to people's real lives and impact people in a real way. So I was like, okay. And that's, that's when I just started. I switched my mind from like being entertaining, from being an influencer to being influential to providing value to being someone who is invaluable as opposed to uh, being somebody who is disposable, right? Because 
a billboard, a magazine ad, an ad is is disposable. But if somebody that that uh carries real, real weight, real value, that is actually um making change and driving culture, that's irreplaceable. So that's kind of where that switched for me, and I was like, okay, got it. And that's that's when I hit my new stride and grew way faster than my second year on YouTube than my first. So what do you think was behind that that quick growth in your second year? Like, did you have, was there like a couple videos where you kind of had a hot streak or, or did you change something? Was it more like a mindset shift? Um, for me, I'm, one of my greatest skills I have, dude, is I ask a lot of fucking questions. I'm very humble in the way that I will ask everybody around me that I ever could possibly know that I listen to them as opposed to, I mean, I'm sure, I'm not sure if you guys have siblings or whatever, but I have plenty of them. And what usually happens is they ask me something, I give them advice, then they just don't fucking do it. And they wonder why it didn't turn out the way that it should have turned out. That's the worst. I'm, yeah. <laughs> since I was a kid, I've been the opposite. That's how I've like avoided just bullshit. You know, like growing up, I just, I don't know why I'm like that. I'm just like that. But it's helped me out tremendously. It just makes sense to me in my mind. I don't, I don't have the desire to now trip over the same thing you just tripped in. If you know, tell me it's a pothole there, I'm not going to drive my car over it. It just doesn't make sense. It's a pothole. I'm going to avoid this shit. That's how I am. So because of that, I was like, okay, this first year has been trash. How do I how do I elevate myself? So I had one, one guy who's in the cannabis space that, like, makes these funny, like, weed videos, and he's, like, grown, like, numerous channels and shit. I'm like, okay, say, give me some advice over here. I asked my girl Claire, who's, like, almost at a million right now. How did you do it? I'm just asking everybody. Audit my channel. Tell me how I can do better. Um, so they gave me tons of advice on just like how to have better thumbnails, how to have better um, titles, all that shit. Because I understand that like that first you know glimpse at your thumbnail or whatever, which I'm always stressed out about. Even to this day, I make like three or four thumbnails before I put a video out because like you have that fucking number in the corner that fucks you up at the bottom right, and then you have like you want your text to be at a certain. It's just it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> um, we'll get into thumbnails later because I learned a lot about that too. But I think for me, I learned everything from the operational side, but then also kind of like what my, what I was doing wrong in my videos. So my videos would be like 10 minutes on average, if not longer to explain something that probably should have only taken four minutes. Mm -hmm. So I shortened my videos. Um, I made my thumbnails more consistent and then my titles, um, I got more competitive with my title. So I would look at people that were in the space, start running the space, the, the top three guys at the time were the top three guys still. Well, I guess, has Alex passed a real man, real style yet? It's still the same uh, three? Last time I looked at, he was he was close, but not there yet. So, so it's he, still, he, gets, he gets a lot of views, though. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's still Alpha Jose, real man, real style, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so those three guys. And I remember at the time they made a video about how to look more muscular in your clothing. And I'm like, dude, you guys are all fit. It doesn't work for the regular guy. So I just made a regular guy video. That video was dead for, well, dead, meaning that it was my regular views of like maybe a thousand, and then it just died down for three months, and then out of nowhere. Mm. So I think it's a bit of luck there. Then also, it also showed me though that there's a market need because guys don't speak about body issues. We don't talk about insecurities. So I just doubled down on that shit. I made one for like how to cover your man boobs better. And I started making shit for short dudes, bald dudes, like any anything that makes you feel like you can't accomplish that goal or you can't go talk to that lady or you can't walk down the street confidently. I want to kill that. I want to make sure you wipe all those excuses away and you're able to step into whatever the next thing you need to do with the most confidence possible. And obviously a lot of that comes from inside, but outside does help. 
Obviously, you, you know, if you're bigger, you can get fit by working out. Great. But tomorrow you can't walk out the house naked. So let's figure out what to wear tomorrow. Yeah. So that's nice. kind of where, where I'm at. That's so true. I feel like anybody, whenever I see somebody ask like in a forum or in comments, like, Hey, I have a belly, like what kind of shirts I wear? And everybody's like, work out, bro. It's like, dude, that's going to take like six months of like serious dedication. Like this guy needs a shirt tomorrow, you know, Literally yeah, tomorrow. I, I love that. Okay. Can we get some, uh, some more tips on thumbnails and titles? Like what, what specifically <laughs> you want? I'm, I'm asking for a friend here. <laughs> oh my God. No, dude, you have such like high viewership. Don't even talk to me. Well, your channel is a great example because you are really good at, well, you've already found a great niche, right? You found like, that's one again. I think guys don't want to hear, Hey, let's talk about our feelings, right? They don't want to hear, um, let me hold your hand and let's all feel sorry for ourselves. No. You want to attach whatever this thing is, as we know, as an insecurity or a barrier that people hold that stops them from doing whatever they want to do, and just attach it to a goal, right? Attach it to achieving something, and then I'll listen, right? So for you, you're like, this is modest man style. This is how you can look good, feel good. But really, it's about being your best. That's the underlying message to all of our channels, really, is con well, most of our channels. It really is confidence, right? It's really about how do I make the most, especially with you, Cavalier, how do I make the most informed decision when I'm going to pick this thing, but I'm therefore going to feel the most confident and therefore going to perform better in life? That's the that's the end result, but you don't want to tell them that. You want to give them whatever they came for, but really, we're all just trying to feel better about ourselves and make sure that we're equipped and have all the tools we need to fucking win. That's it. So that's why your channel is amazing. Yeah, would, would you say, like, because, like, so, so a lot of people would say, okay, fi find those issues, those, like, burning problems, like, finding romance, like, getting the promotion, like, being more confident, getting taken more seriously from guys, whatever, and attach that to specific problems, like dressing better. So it's, like, if you can dress better, then you can get more dates. So do you try to attach those two things, like, in your titles, or do you just go after the more obvious problem? You know what I mean? Um, I think it's wherever I know I can add the most value to. I can't talk about getting girls because I've been married for almost 10 years now. So I don't even know what that even is like anymore. It's a, it um, sounds like to... a really scary place from all my single friends. Like, frightening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of swiping. <laughs> yeah, a lot of swiping. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like pre-apps. I don't know anything about this shit. I have no yeah. idea. This is all new to me. Um, so for me, do I, do I attack general problems? I guess so. I mean, for me, I, I attack, no, I attack stuff head on sometimes. Um, and sometimes it, it'll come through as like something that is like by accident. So I'll be talking about something and then it'll pop in my head to be like, oh, hey, like if you're a bigger guy. So like I did a video on, uh, what did I do a video on that I did this? I think bigger guys have anything have a problem with like putting on anything that's like wide or big or fluffy. I think I was talking about fall trends one time. And I was like, remember those, the Sherling jackets that everybody was wearing and still wear to this day. It's a classic thing. But like, you know, some of them are full Sherling. Some of them have just linings. Some of them just have them in the, in the collar. And I was like, bigger guys, trust me, you guys can do it too. And I just showed examples of other bigger guys wearing it just so they can see it. Like, I, I think it's one thing to be told you can do something, but if you can see other people that look like you that are doing it, that helps. So also with my channel, you notice if you look at it, I'm probably the, one of the only YouTubers that doesn't ever really put myself in thumbnails. My most successful videos, only one of me is in the thumbnail. So so whether or not, I don't know what the factors are that makes my face unattractive to people, but I just don't put it in there. I'm, I'm not sure. I have, I have hunches on what it could be, but I don't care. So I said, okay, fuck it. 
Not me. I don't have to be the star of the show. And I don't also don't, I'm not so full of myself that I have to be. And I think, I know people say that you want to make sure to put faces in there for consistency and yada, yada, yada. And I get that. But I think you can be consistent in your message. You can be consistent in your titles. You can be consistent with your fonts you use and how you format your thumbnails. So I was like, that's not going to be it for me because the videos that do best don't have me in them. So once I learned that, I just started being super intentional, being super multicultural with all my thumbnails. If you notice that, you'll see literally Asian, Latin, white, black dude on there at all times. I always do that. Sometimes I'll just put somebody that, that's just like Indian or just white. Just, I just make sure they're just like not, not me because that, for me, it's like fashion is universal. I've gotten so many comments or DMs or even emails from like, hey, like, as a white guy, I didn't think I could relate to your channel because you don't look like me, but like, now I've learned that fashion. I'm like, yes, it's clothing. Like, I can see if we were talking about like hair or like grooming or something that's very specific to like that, but no, other, otherwise, fashion is universal. There's some colors that work on different skin tones, but outside of that, we come down with what? Face shape, body shape, mm -hmm. height. That's all universal. So. Um, I gotta, but I gotta, I gotta loop you in with other shit first, and then when you get here, I'll keep you. It's like my dad purposely giving me the name Devin Anderson, so it doesn't sound too black. And then, then when I get to the interview, then you say I'm black, but it's too late because I already got you. <laughs> that that was his theory in the in the uh, '90s for giving me this name. So, or I, I guess it worked. <laughs> I guess I guess so, man. I don't know, but it's a similar thing is what I do with my channel. So, I mean, even looking at um. Any any big YouTuber. I hadn't put that together until you said that, but I've noticed now that Antonio is barely in any of those thumbnails. But then Aaron in, is in every single one. Yeah, they do that a lot. <laughs> right. So I, I think you have yeah. to kind of choose your what side you want to go on. I, it comes down to people like your face or not. That's what it comes down to, really. End of the yeah. day, you guys would be honest with yourself, but not not really. Like I don't I don't really care. For me, it's like I just want it to work. I want to get the info out. I want people to click on this video. So. If me being in is going to stop you, then I don't got to be in it. It's fine. Do, do you think, how much do you think has changed with YouTube and Instagram, like since you started? Like, is the same stuff that was working to grow your account from 25K to 100K in a year on Instagram working now? Hell no. I mean, even even the founders have, have gone now. This is going to turn to Facebook. I'm so at a point with Instagram right now where I'm so like torn because obviously it's the platform that I started on. I have a lot of, um, nostalgia towards it and still a lot of love toward it but the organic reach is so limited now and they're finding so many sneaky ways to charge us even as creators like you can create a creator account now did you see that in your settings yeah. so if, if you go to your settings right now you can make a creator account which is like separate from business and you can see more analytics but basically they just break break them down to look differently but that's just so they can recategorize you and they can basically encourage you to promote your post so you can get more reach than you would have but really it's the same reach you would have gotten three years ago mm. so, so so i'm, I'm gonna throttle your shit right i'm gonna freaking bury you and then in order to be seen like you normally would um pay us money and i'm not i'm not really with that so yeah. it's very frustrating for me as a person who uh really loves instagram man but it's turned into a a, a place that is about business for facebook rather than everybody else yeah, I mean that. It's, it seems like that's kind of obviously it happened on Facebook. It's happening on Instagram. I mean, YouTube seems like it's still pretty pure. Although subscribers don't mean anything on YouTube anymore, right? You can have maybe get five to ten percent of your your subscribers will see a video. So I feel like that's kind of just the way it goes as a uh, 
as a content creator is you're going to have to be able to be nimble enough to jump from one platform to the next. I'm sure in 10 years, it's going to be something else, right? Right. So are you feeling, are you, are you putting most of your energy into YouTube? As far as social media goes, I would say so. I think I always have a hard time managing my time because I'm such an all in type of guy, but I'm in a place now where I'm kind of split. So one thing that recently happened um, over the, since I guess the end of last year, I've been working really closely with one agency behind the scenes because they really like my work and we've done a few one-hour projects. They're like, hey, look, how do we clear your plate and get more of your time to where we're your only client? So I threw an astronomical number out there and uh, long story short, I'm there now. So they got me for two days a week uh, out of my week. But again, like that means I'm turning off everything else and I'm just focused on that those two days a week. Um, so there's less time to focus on what I want to put up. So now, but I also understand that YouTube rewards you for frequency, not necessarily quality or any of that shit, right? So you get rewarded literally for putting out more videos faster rather than um, putting out better videos all the time. Except I feel like your channel is an anomaly, Brock. And I don't know why. Because you have a very casual attitude to putting out videos. Can you, explain <laughs> yeah. why, can you explain why that is and how that fucking works for you? Because I literally would see my views tick up as soon as I started posting them more frequently rather than when I slow down to like once a week. Yeah, well, I've, I've never tried like a, a super frequent uh, upload schedule. So I don't know what would happen to my channel if I did that. But but I, I do see a pattern though where um, when I... So if I kind of like go silent, let's say I upload a video and it like does normal or better than normal and I go silent, I'll see YouTube almost like uptick my subscribers for a little bit. It's almost like, I swear they're like a drug dealer. They're like, hey, like here's a taste, like come back, you know? <laughs> and then and then I'll go back, you know, and upload. So I don't know if there's a certain amount of time that has to go by before you get penalized, but I've never been penalized for, for not uploading for a couple weeks even. So... I don't know, my, my thing this year, because I, I also have other things going on, like I'm really putting a lot of focus on my website and my work with Peter Manning. So, you know, YouTube for me, because it's so, I look at all the stuff I'm doing, it's the hardest thing to monetize. Like, I, I love it, but it's the hardest thing to monetize. So for me, it's it's very much a, um, it's not like my main focus right now, you know? I agree. And I think as a creator, another thing for me is like, similar to what I found out when I was, um, in college, man, it's like, as a creator, you'll always be someone else's hand, period, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we're making our own content on YouTube, but as soon as a sponsor comes in, now you got to fucking compromise, mm -hmm. period. Even even, even if you do have high standards like everybody does in this call right now, like, I always demand I have to try it out first. I have to actually like it. If I don't, I will not sign it. We're not going to do it. But still, even then... Like they want, they, you got to negotiate on how much you talk about them, when you have them come in the video, how long that has to be. Like, so even all that is like, I'd rather have a seat at the table and decide things from jump and be a boss rather than being someone else's pawn to any degree. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm much more interested as a, like at, at the agency, the agency stuff I'm doing, dude, I'm picking influencers for campaigns. I'm building the things from the ground up. I'm uh, fully drafting out the entire distribution strategy for companies in the levels of like Wells Fargo and Acura and fucking Honda and California lottery, big leagues now. So you can't really tell me shit that I don't know anything. I'm, I'm fully graduated to something totally different, but also it's like, I want to help. I want to figure out a way to like tell that story better. Cause I feel like that part of my life, I can't even really show. I mean, a lot of that shit is like 
because you, you think about a campaign, we, we talk about that campaign and start planning it out sometimes a year before it even happens. So I can never really share it. It kind of hurts because it's like I feel like I've I've reached a new level in life, but I can't even speak about it, you know, because I feel like yeah. social. You, you said to keep putting in the portfolio. Yeah, exactly. I just gotta yeah. Keep, yeah. And maybe what I do is like film it and hold on to it. And then when it launches, I'll, I'll put out maybe a, a vlog or something about like building it or something. I don't know. I got to figure that out because now that I've evolved and I've changed, I feel like my platforms don't necessarily reflect that, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind monetizing my YouTube and Instagram. Like, I have a new management agreement I just signed. That's like a short-term trial period. And it's been a saver of time for me because now I'm not negotiating. I'm not in emails, not doing any of that shit. They bring me the high-level stuff, and I come back, and then they go back and negotiate for me, which is, like, amazing. Um, and now I can just focus on the things that I know I want to do. Like, literally right now, bro, I'm so pressed for time that I have a sneaker deal on the table where I can design my own thing from the ground up. And they're going to cover all the costs for it. I have not sketched more than 30 minutes. I have a, I have a Forbes article that I need to write for like a, like a synopsis on like fill out a couple of things for the writer to do what they need to do. That's been sitting in my inbox for three months. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm burning the candle at both ends right now. So I got to figure out some time management, man. It's like, it's like, you pray for these things, you hope for these things, you work for these things, and when you get there, the one thing you can't buy is time. Yeah, so true. Man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's better than the alternative, right? <laughs> true. I'd rather, I'd rather uh, not be broke, but still, it's like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot, man. So, I, I, so recently, to mitigate that, the, the wife has now left her crappy job and now is helping manage everything with me. Um, as far as like just helping me do anything I would do for myself if I can clone myself. So, That's awesome. Yeah, it's been dope. It's been dope to have her because she's again she's always been sharp and using her skills to build other companies. She's like, why don't we just double down and we just build this shit? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> that would be great. That's a perfect idea. Um, yeah. So we're just well, we're very honored to have some of your time. Oh man, for the for the Buttoned Up podcast. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> of course. Course. We do have a segment called Rapid Fire where we're going to ask you some quick one-word questions that you're unprepared for. Are you ready? No, I'm ready. Okay, Oxfords or Brogues? Neither. I wear sneakers. Sneakers. Morning shower or evening shower? Both. People in LA keep saying both. <laughs> uh, cardio or lifting? Cardio. Chinos, jeans, or trousers? Chinos. You can go up and down with those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the last book that you read? Audiobooks, and it was, oh my gosh, it was a long time ago. I forget it. Rapid oh. fire. I don't have time to look it up. <laughs> uh, navy or charcoal suit? I don't wear suits, but as a suit separate, probably a bottom, um, I would go navy. Navy? Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite Bond actor? Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Daniel and Craig. if you're Daniel Craig, okay. Uh, and if you're like getting in the shower, you want to pump yourself up. What song are you listening to? Oh man, it depends on the mood. But right now, it's Drake Ten Bands. Okay. I just got the vinyl of. If you're reading this, it's too late. It's a it's a double yep. disc vinyl, special edition, all clear, and I've been okay. playing that back to back. Nice. All right. You survived rapid fire. I survived it. Thank you. Yeah. Very nice. Although we stumped you at the question of the music. 
the, the music one gets everybody. It's I, I feel like we should make a playlist, like a Spotify playlist. It's like yeah, the, the button up shower playlist. Yeah, that'd be perfect actually. It would be eclectic. Yeah. <laughs> Very eclectic, I'm sure. This yeah. is gonna change next week, you know. Yeah, Tim DeSaint said lo-fi hip hop. Oh, that's dope. That's what I listen to when I'm working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't pump me up though. It doesn't pump you up. No, I don't get pumped up for sure. This is very relaxing, mellow. Well, uh, you, you've got some awesome stuff going on. Like, what are you most excited about over the next like six months with your business and your life? I'm excited about finding the balance between having me time, which is which will still be doing work, but just work that I want to do. Because now I built this machine to where. Again, I'm doing everything I want to do, right? Like, my channel's growing how it's growing, but I, for me, it's less focused on like building the biggest community and like really just providing value to the one I have, and um, letting the cards fall where they need to. Um, and I'm and I'm very secure in that and okay with that um, and content where I'm at. And then also on the other side, the agency side, I work with companies at the highest level, right? We're talking Fortune 500s where I'm literally sitting across from CEOs and CFOs and making decisions, which is amazing and an awesome privilege, which I appreciate. But now I have to figure out how to balance that out with like the fact that I haven't been to the gym in a month or um, I've had no time to like have any quiet time with myself, just like drinking coffee and writing down my thoughts, you know, or... Mm -hmm meditating or any of the things that I know are good for my mental and physical health. I haven't done any of that. So if I don't take care of the machine though, I know it's not going to work long-term. So that is what I'm looking forward to. So the goal is by summer to have that locked in literally the wife stuff and like the new changes that I told you guys about, like just happened within the last week. So it'll take some time. Thank you. Thank you. It takes some time to acclimate. And, and it's funny cause I sat with that for, probably a month, man, because I really didn't want to be like that guy where like, yeah, come support me and my vision. It's like, no, I want to make sure that whatever goals you have, talking to my wife, like, hey, like, I don't want this to take place of that or or um, distract you from the things I know you want to do. Um, let this be a, a thing that helps us both get closer to our goals. I don't want to be like you living in my shadow or whatever. That's not the kind of guy I am. Um, and I just want you to because I'm thinking long term, I go, I think 20, 30 years down the road when we have like kids and then, you know, they're growing, they move out and like, you don't know who you are after, or you look back and you're like, man, I wish I would have, like, I don't want to have any of that shit in our minds at 50, mm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So that sounds like this is a, a chapter that, uh, that might help you guys, you know, kind of, kind of get there when you're under 50 and not have any regrets. So I think that's pretty cool that she's jumping in with you right now. Yeah, man, this will be cool. We'll see how it goes, man. And I just got to be very, uh, very gentle and just very aware. Because again, like, all I think about is it's my work and what I have to do. So now I have to like do what she does for me and kind of think bigger and see how I can support her. Right on. Well, we'll we'll have to catch up with you in uh, in six months and see where everything's at. But yeah, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man, and we will see you next week.